Yes, I, well, this, okay, now, this is the problem with Goodwood. I find it really confusing. So, there's, so I am currently at Chichester. I'm currently at the Goodwood Racecourse. And there's a, yeah. whole bunch, there's a whole bunch of different things that happen. There's Glorious Goodwood. There's Goodwood Festival of Speed. There's yeah. Goodwood Revival. These are all different things. <laughs> and, or okay. Glorious Goodwood might be the same as the Festival of Speed. I'm not sure. And um, I and the so the Festival of Speed is essentially like Glastonbury for cars, and uh, from from what I can understand is so Festival for Speed is like a Glastonbury for cars, the and but what we're doing is a Goodwood revival where Goodwood used to be an active racetrack between 1950 something and 1966. So the Goodwood revival. Can you keep talking for two seconds? I just yeah. got a minute. I got a minute. Oh. Yeah. So the, the Goodwood revival is essentially the is essentially a time when they they essentially go oh let's go back to what Goodwood was like when the park was open. So they take it back to the sixties. Oh, okay. So all the cars people bring in are classic cars. All the dresses people come in are sort of like you know vintage dresses, all that mm. stuff. So from what I can understand, that's what good, and that is what we're and whenever they do the Goodwood revival, they have actors around. So the actors come in and like you know they all dress up all period and they act all period. So they do traffic wardens, all that kind of stuff. And this year, they have decided that they are going to do well. Sky Cinema threw a whole bunch of money at them, and they decided that they're going to do a Italian job reenactment. So punters can come in and they can come onto the sound stage and actually see the, so they can so they can imagine what it was like filming bits of the Italian job or being on sets when bits of the Italian job were were being filmed. Oh right. Yes, and I think so. That's... That bit we saw is, the, is that the Italian chase where they're right, racing through the city after they've done the job. Exactly the bit that I showed you, the yeah. bit that I sent you on um, on the WhatsApp, which you will probably put up onto our, our Twitter page at some point. Is go, is that bit? Is is the bit where they're chasing after the whole thing? Now, now, you guys might hear but it's, it's going to start getting a bit uh, noisy. That's because I have a whole bunch of people around me getting naked. Okay. Nice. Okay. All naked people say hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. Hello, naked people. No, we're not really. Well, no, they will be naked. <laughs> and, and, and I feel like in the spirit of full disclosure. We, we, should... we shouldn't. We shouldn't be really because <laughs> not where we are. Now that you missed. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but in the spirit in the spirit of full disclosure, I feel like I have to tell you that at some point I will be down to at least my boxes during this whole thing. I know you can't see it. I know it's an audio and it's an audio medium. But I just need, I just felt we need can to just tell, visualize. Yes, I feel I feel I need to tell you that. I feel I need to just sort of like get that off my chest, let you guys know. At some point you're gonna be talking to a guy who is in his boxes because he has about forty five minutes. Undies. Yes. Okay. He has you can see if I'm like if I'm talking here if it's picking up on the top. So if I talk here, is it picking up on the top? Yeah. Oh it's alright then, that's good. Yeah. So yeah, a guy who's who's gonna be uh, who's gonna be in his undies because he has about forty five minutes before he gets kicked off their site. <laughs> <laughs> So um, you're going to watch Fleabag as well tonight, aren't you? So that, you've got to go Izzy Wizzy, let's go Vizzy. Exactly, that is the plan. That is the plan. We'll see how, um, how, what's the word? We'll see how successful it is. Anyway, shall we kick off? Yeah, let's kick off. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that 
essentially goes to the cinema, watches films on Netflix, watches films on cinemas, rates them out of five, and sees which one has done a better job of entertaining us this week. Now, you uh, you might be able to hear it in the background. It is a little bit noisy where I am, and that is because, as I just told Sharon and Sean, I am in a room of people getting, well, in various stitches of undress. <laughs> but anyway, I, but I'm usually calling, speaking to you from Coventry, up in the Midlands, but this time I am speaking to you from Goodwood, the Goodwood Racecourse Festival in Chichester, because I will be taking part in a reenactment of the Italian job as Big William, the only black character in the film. Joining me on the Isle of Wight, uh, Sharon. Hello. And Sean. Hiya. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Yeah, good, good. Good, yeah, I, yeah I, I'm pretty good. We, we, we look really well, I think, the pair of us. So yes, we're relaxed. Good. Relaxed and chilled, yeah. Yeah, you it's probably. Quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine that you, you look way better than me at the moment. I've got like a, I've got a boiler suit on with a greased-up uh, vest underneath it. Nice. Nice look. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. It's quite, uh, it's quite a nice look. But you know, not many people could carry that look and look as good as you. <laughs> Sharon, uh, Sharon, thank you very much. I, I liked, I love the fact that you actually already assumed that I can pull it off. I, I love. Yeah, that. absolutely. <laughs> I love the fact you've already assumed. Yeah, so since pulling this lead off. All right, cool. Um, but yeah, today we don't have that much time, as I was saying earlier, because we've got a, uh, I've got a rush on. Bye, people. That's my fellow cast members leaving. Can you guys still hear me? Yes, yes, we can still hear you. Okay, cool. Good, good stuff. So this week, I think we're, we're probably going to try to fly into it as sharpish as possible, just to just so we can get onto um, the films that we have seen this week and what we've done. How's how's the how's the week um, the viewing week been for you guys? Well, it's been a bit of slim pickings for me again. It's been a bit of a busy old week work-wise and life-wise. So I've only actually been to one cinema. Um, I have been to cinema once, yep. and that was to see one of these National Theatre Live event broadcasts. Ooh. So that's my only contribution tonight. So, and I haven't really watched television other than to catch up on things like Who Do You Think You Are and Fake or Fortune <laughs> or Fortune Fire. That's the sort of thing I've been watching on the television. For, for me... Because I was over the mainland the weekend, I, I managed to catch the Mustang, which obviously isn't showing over Not here in the island. So I got that, and I ended up watching. I watched on TV. It was a lot. I watched Tora 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 again, which ah. I thought was just Tora, still Tora, still Tora. was good. Yeah, yeah. And I watched. I cannot believe it. I watched a Hugh Grant film wow. called The Rewrite. Right. So I just thought, what's that? And I started watching it, and I really really enjoyed this is it. Uni- you know? He's a university professor. That's the one. Yeah, have you seen it? It's like from about 2014. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, quite yeah. fun. It's and fun. It's, it's, it's a fun movie, and it's not like really romantic. Or no, and it's like not that. his and normal really thing. Well. But so, he does it well, doesn't he? And, but it's, what I mean is, it's something I would normally not yeah. even not even give the time of day. I probably wouldn't even watch that. But I, I did really enjoy mm. it. So yeah. So, and I've seen that. And um, also, I think you've seen Five Came Back. Yep, Five Came Back. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because back, so. that, that's and, some, and, something you saw last week, cu- but I begged you to sort of like put it off to this week, so yeah, I yeah. yeah, so I could actually. And watch it. that's it. And um, I did see like a couple of episodes of Peaky Blinders, but I haven't seen the whole series, and I'm not sure if I'm going to finish it or not. Really. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. those I mean, it was okay, but it didn't like everybody's wowing about it. And, yeah, I love like, Peaky Blinders. Yeah, yeah. So, but I've given it three episodes. So. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the first season about three or four times. Oh, so, right. um, yeah, I liked it. <coughs> cool. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. There we go. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it's bad. No, I'm no, just no. Well, like, we all have you know different I mean? opinions and different yeah, yeah. things, yeah. don't we? Uh, uh, do, you th- do you think you've fallen victim to the hype monster, Sean? 
Possibly, possibly. I mean, I'm not saying. I mean, it was it was quite interesting. I did watch the whole series, and I didn't get bored or anything like that. But yeah. I just sort of could see roughly where it was going, or I thought I could see where it was going, and um, you know, and and I'm not a major fan of Cillian Murphy, although he is absolutely brilliant in that. Yeah. But I, in his other stuff, like as a Scarecrow and Twenty Eight Days Later and all those, I'm not really. I'm not. I'm one of those. It's like the Stanley Tukey thing all over again, isn't it? <laughs> well, is this us going back to Sean and all the actors, all the well-regarded actors? All the, <laughs> all, actually, I'll, I'll go as far as to say all the beloved actors that you, for some reason, hate. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It's the Marmite thing, isn't it? Everyone else loves it, and you hate it. I sort of do. Yeah. I go when everyone goes to the right. I go to the left. You know. Yeah. But it's not. It's not. I, I, You're I not being deliberately contrarian. I'm I'm, no, I'm, I'm not being sort of trying to be, you know, pedantic or upset yeah. people. Or it's just that's just the sort of way just, I feel. Yeah. So. It's just for some reason they they rub you up the wrong way. No, I think that's yeah. alright. I think that that's okay because it's not everybody's supposed to like everything. So no, that's it. Yeah. Which and one? I didn't like him in Dunkirk. Did you? No, I thought he was alright in Dunkirk. Wait, Killian Murphy was in Dunkirk. Right, anyway. Yeah, he oh. was the cap. He was the. Oh, was he the cowardly, cowardly doctor? Yeah. Oh, cowardly soldier. Yes. Okay, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. He was yeah. on the yacht. He was yeah. in the, 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 the at sea bit of Dunkirk. Yeah. Okay, cool. I remember that. I remember that. All right. So, but um, we. Oh, ow, sorry about that, guys. Um, but just due due to the amount of time that we don't have today, shall we? <laughs> shall we? Shall we fire on with this? Yeah, we're going. We're going really quick. Yeah, we're going go, through yeah. this fairly quick. Happy go, to do that. Going, going really, really quick because yeah, we're trying to finish this in forty-five minutes. So first up, we're going to go to the cinemas and we're going to talk about It Chapter Two. Now, this is a film that, as you might imagine, is the sequel to It, which was just called It. But everybody who knows anything about Stephen King and about his writing would know that, quite frankly, there was a second film coming. So this film, the fact that there's a sequel, is not really a surprise. Sean, this is a film that you went to see the first one of and you didn't like. You thought it was rubbish. <laughs> the first it, I, I, I hated the first it, yeah. the passion, right? I like just totally, totally, totally <laughs> thought it was just awful. And funny enough, I nearly didn't go and see it because yeah. I was in Sainsbury's having a, having a cheese and ham omelette and a cup of coffee and I was talking with friends and I, I was going to catch the 4.30 and then yeah. I thought, oh, I was enjoying myself talking so I thought, well, I'm not that bothered. And then when I got back, I thought, oh, I should go and see it. Yeah. And you know what? I'm glad I did. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm, glad I did. I'm glad I did in the end. I mean, it was blooming daft and it was blooming silly. Yeah. Um, absolutely, absolutely crazy. But it entertained me. I must say I was entertained. Yeah. Oh. I had intended to do a double build to yeah. watch both parts, but, but just the first didn't happen part, this week. The first part is... Oh, oh my God! That's <laughs> like the first part, but this part, I'm, I'm, it's, it's nowhere some masterpiece in that. But there was enough in there to keep me sort of thinking, oh, that's all right. And I laughed. The thing is, I was laughing at a lot of things, and I think a lot of people thought that was strange. Yeah. You know, like some of the some of the CGI creatures, like the, oh. you know, the bath baby. But I, I did enjoy the nods. I did enjoy the nods to. There was a lot of nods to other movies. Yeah. Like John Carpenter's The Thing, oh, The Shining. Okay. So there were lots of nods. Not yeah. just Stephen King films then, Not other just, Yeah, there were, there were, there were lots genres. of nods to, yeah. to yeah, other, because, other because things. There was at least one bit that I, I saw that even I, I was like, hang on, I think that's that's very The Shining, isn't it? I think that is a nod to The Shining. <laughs> definitely, definitely, yeah, 100%. But the, the, the definitely the one, the bit with the, um, you know, you you got to be kidding. Um, yeah, so that... that, that there's yeah, there's there's a lot more there's a lot more references to. Have you ever seen the thing? 
toast. No, it's John Carpenter. I've never, I have never seen the thing. That's one You've of those never seen it. It's one all of right, those so you everybody would... raves about. Everybody raves about. Mm. It's brilliant, know, brilliant film. I know yeah. all about. I know about Kurt Russell playing McCready. I know all about John Carpenter and all that kind of stuff. But I've never actually seen the film. Ah, oh. but anyway, we got we got to get back onto this one, didn't we? So yeah, <laughs> yeah, so so I didn't think it was that bad. It entertained me. It's nearly three hours long, though, isn't it? Was it, it was a bit, worth three hours long? It's nearly um, the film is nearly three hours long. It's two hours. Yeah, nearly minutes. nearly three hours, two hours, whatever. But yeah, no, it was long. But yeah. oh, again, why do these films let me down at the end? <laughs> why he's got? I'm not 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 being funny, toes, right? Yeah. But you have got this thing that's like all super humongously, you know. Oh, I don't I don't know. I won't, I won't go into that. But <laughs> it's just that bit. I'm like, well, that is like. What, what, what are you telling me now? It's, 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 it's that easy. It's that it, all this time has been and like and also, would you not think like there's these old creepy houses? Would you not think that have been there for God knows how long? Would you not think they'd be real, realtors and real estate people that would not come down? You would look down? at the potential of some of these, yeah, yeah. these spots well, of land. You know? But anyway, yeah. but apart from that, apart from that, apart from that, I was entertained by oh, the toes. Oh, okay. So, so for it, for anybody who has somehow been underneath a rock and does not know the basic storyline of it, it's essentially set in this town in Maine, which I guess is in New England, um, which called Derry, and it's about this. Well, entity that manifests as a killer clown and comes back every 27 years to sort of like terrorize the people of this village, of this town. And it's it's pretty much uh, so. And this one is centered seven years after the first one. So these people, they were kids in the first film, and in this one, they're all grown up and they all come back to the town because the the it, otherwise known as Pennywise, the dancing clown, is back and is trying to kill people. Um, so that's the basic thing about it. And the thing is, showed the funny thing about I was watching this one, I was thinking this isn't really a horror film. No, 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 not at it, all. Was it? it? Wasn't, wasn't, it, it wasn't horrific at all. You know, <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's not even that. It's like it's not because this film. It's more a film about trauma. And so every, the, the, it, I think it's, it's massively allegorical. So all the things that these kids went through when they were kids, it's all about how the things in your childhood sort of scar you when you're older and how they come back. Like the fact that James McAvoy comes back into the film and James McAvoy has like, he, the character he plays, Bill, <coughs> has a stutter when he's a kid. And the first time you see him in the film, he doesn't have the stutter. But when he goes back to the town, the stutter reappears. And, and things like that. So it's about, and you have all these people who, Either they were like you know they had an abusive parent when they were a kid, and then when they grew older, they ended up in an abusive relationship, that kind of thing. And so I felt like it was really about trauma, and this whole Pennywise thing and the horror. It was it was like a a film about trauma with with horror bits in it, and and I think I can handle that better because as you know, as I always say, I am not a fan of horror, and it is probably about the only horror film apart from it and us, (laughs) is that I've watched in the last year. And with this yeah. one, th- this yeah. one, I think it was. It, it is a long film, and I was I was sitting down there thinking, "Oh my god, when is this thing going to end?" Mainly because I did not want to keep having to experience these horrific things. Because <laughs> because <laughs> did you think they were horrific? I thought they were, were hilarious. Oh well, you see, I no. liked them a lot. I like I like the little grub thing. The little what? I thought that was the, the the little grub thing. The first thing with the with the oh, things in the, in the bowl in the Chinese you restaurant. Know? Oh my god, I, hate, I hated that bit, man. <laughs> Did you? I Did you? hated yeah. that bit. That made my skin crawl. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, I, I quite enjoyed that. that. Uh. Oh, yeah, no, honestly, yeah, honestly, yeah. honestly, Sharon, this scene, this scene, it goes all, it goes like full Cronenberg body horror kind of, oh. like something that's come out of the memory of the, uh, come out of the mind of David Lynch when he's had a bad cheese dream. 
Oh dear, yep. I'm looking. I'm feeling a bit queasy already. Yeah. Oh, no. oh no, I, I thought it was great. I, I don't, no, Sean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, and, and I think like okay, for, because for instance, I know we're going to do an Inside Number Nine special, and you keep saying yeah. you, you said before that you don't think episodes of Inside Number Nine are that dark. So I've been watching them, and this, and I've I've decided that you and I have different definitions of the word dark. Because, oh right, okay, okay. Because because yeah, I'm watching yeah. them going. Every single episode is going dark. It's going to a very dark place, and this, <laughs> and so and I, and I thought, okay, when I was watching it, chapter two, and I saw that scene particularly, and I was like, okay. Okay. If Sean doesn't think that this is disturbing, we have totally we have a totally different threat. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! And, oh dear! And sure enough, because you thought that scene was funny, I thought it was horrific. I wanted, I felt like if if let me put it this way, if I if I, I felt like throwing up. Really? Yeah, I felt yeah. I felt like that. That oh good lord! Even thinking about it makes me feel sick. <laughs> and, and I think also one of the things that I think Stephen King does really well is the whole idea of putting kid, kids in peril. So the bits in the yeah. first film where it's kids in peril, I found myself like, you know, I found those really, really affecting. I'm like, oh, my God, I do not want to see kids in peril. But, um, but uh, in, the, uh, in this one, because they're adults, I'm not so worried about the adult bits, but it, because, it, because I said it's about trauma. So, and I have to say one thing about this ca- the casting in this film. The casting in this film is nigh on godlike. It is nigh on miraculous. <laughs> The, it's pretty good, yeah. It's the pretty peop- good. The people who fair. they cast, like you can look at them and straight away go, "Oh yeah." Apart from the big names, I think apart from McAvoy and Jessica Chastain, because I still think that they should have cast Amy Adams to play. Amy Adams, yeah. Yeah, I still think because they show the younger version of the character Bev, and I'm still like, "Oh, that's Amy Adams. That's Amy Adams at, at like you know 15." <laughs> Something. But I mean, everybody <laughs> yeah. else. I mean, honestly, Sharon, the casting is mind-boggling. How? Yes, I think I need to do a double bill on this. I really yeah. do. No, honestly, the, because there's even a scene where they have one of the characters, Eddie, and they do a cross-dissolve from his face as a kid to his face as an adult. And you're like, it's the same person. They just, <laughs> they, they, they yeah. somehow yeah. just aged him. So, so and, I, and I think that the, the adult cast are really, really good at playing that you can see that is, these are those kids grown up and in some ways they have never really grown up because of this thing that happened to them when they were kids. So I so yeah I I I thought it was brilliant I thought it I thought the casting was brilliant I do think it's a little bit long I agree with you with the ending because what happens is that they do this whole thing where I I don't think they do this successfully enough because the whole thing about Pennywise and about it is that he's in your mind so if you can control yeah. your mind then you can have some element of control over what's happening but they try and make him but at some points they seem to forget about that and make him a physical threat and yeah. when uh, if he's a physical threat, the way they end up defeating him, which oh sorry, spoiler, in the end they win. So, so but, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, the, the, uh, the, the I was going to say I I actually did believe it or not after this I actually did a little bit of a read about Pennywise because yep. I thought because yeah. cause it went a bit sort of sci-fi thing and he's like been around for, for years yeah and he's actually a, a, a shape-shifting creature that just hibernates for oh, that okay. amount of time and he needs to eat so basically he eats but because he apparently this is in the book as well but apparently because he likes the children because if he makes them scared it salts the meat so yes, basically yes he, he, yeah. he lives he eats them so so he, he goes after so, yeah, kids so I, I mean I didn't know nothing about that because I'm not having been but I just thought oh you know I'll just have a look and see. that's a bit of depth yeah it's a bit of depth okay okay thing, warning so. guys I'm in my boxes now okay <laughs> what a mental picture that is <laughs> boxes Watch. Yeah, okay. I'm thinking like white with, watch out, with lips watch out all over, that. Yeah. but that could just be me. Okay. That's it. 
Okay, Pen- so Pennywise is coming. Oh, oh, and I. <laughs> oh, you haven't got any fortune cookies there, have you? Oh, good. Please, I'm never eating a fortune cookie. I, I think I, I think I need <laughs> You're about never touching a fortune cookie again. I think I, I think I need about a year before I touch a fortune cookie again. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, man, that I, that scene was just. And there's bits. There's a bit where he's underneath the bleachers with a girl, and I'm just like, oh, for goodness sake, why? But anyway, I would I would give it. I think it's a, I think it's a bit long. I'll have to say Bill Skarsgård, another one of the talented. Skarsgård family who plays Pennywise is brilliant throughout the entire film. I think I think he's I think he's great, um, but I I think the ending is kind of like it's I a letdown, isn't it? It's it's not. It, oh, I, think, I I don't think it's a letdown. I just feel like you have to do a lot of work to understand, which they don't they don't make it plain that okay this is in your mind and that's why it's a mind thing. I think they try and make it like oh we're going to punch this clown in the face and that's how we're going to win. And the, if that's the case, it just it, it 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 gets a bit muddled. I think it gets a bit muddled. And from what I yeah, hear, I, I I just think that something all the way through that's been that powerful, you know, yeah, to yeah. me. Yeah, but I, I think I think it works if it it works if it's the fact that the only reason this thing is powerful is because you give it power. It works. Right, I'm with you. Yeah, okay. but but yeah. I, I don't think they explain that well enough. But I would give it a four no. out of five. Give it a four. Yeah, I'll give it yeah. a four. All right. Okay. Well, I'm going to give it a three. Yeah, so. be- because I think I think all the things it's trying to do, it's doing them successfully because it's making me hate it. So, so it gives you, it scared you then. So you you were scared. Uh, I, were you scared? I, I I was bothered. I was really really bothered. 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 Yeah, That's yeah, a good word. Yeah. yeah. It's it's. I was bothered. Disquieting. And I, I was kind of I was, like I was kind of like oh my god. I hope I don't think about this before I go to bed tonight because my dreams I've, are going to be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen that film Cape Fear with Robert De Niro when yes. he's in the yes, cinema? Yes. 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 And I he's seen. like that. That was me. That was. But I was sat down, so I couldn't put my I couldn't put my feet on anyone in front. But no. I did laugh a few times. So you're saying that <laughs> loudly. You're, you're, you're essentially Max Cady from Cape Fear. Yeah, yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, you know, about, right. ab- apart from the bit where he hunts down a family and everything like that, Sean, I can totally see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So that's right. it, Chapter 2. Now, let's move on. I mean, I could talk more about the film, but let's move on. And let's go into Five Came Back. So, Sean, can you just give us a bit of a uh, thing about what this is about? Okay, this is about... This is a story of, of five directors... Famous directors. You've got John Ford, William Wyler, um, Frank Capra, John Huston, and who's the other guy? George Stevens. Remind me. George Stevens, that's it. And these were all really, really famous directors before mm. the Second World War. And then during the Second World War, the, the, the army decided that they would form this unit of directors to actually film the war itself as it was happening. And so these directors go off to war basically do lots of filming I mean there's the concentration camp thing there's um, and then it's about so that, so they've gone through the war all this and then it's about when they come back so so they've come back after the war and then they start to make the movies again and like and how it influences quite, their yeah, future work how, how quite disillusioned and things like that well not disillusioned but you know it's put a whole different different sort of take on, on, on what they direct but it was a really, really interesting movie because uh, do, do you know one of the bits I found interesting, Toes, was when they refilmed the, the this action had taken place. I think it was, uh, it was somewhere in Italy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. San, San something. Or San Pietro or something. Yeah, yeah, San, San Pietro. Pietro. Yeah, the Battle of San Pietro. Yeah. Pietro. yeah. And I really loved the bit, and it was saying that that he actually that, that so they reshot the uh, what had happened. You know, yeah. this, this was a, the John Huston film. They sort of reshot what happened. Yeah. But they had the 
which made it really, really interesting, is they had the soldiers as they walked past look at the camera because mm. that's what they do. Because yeah. he basically said, John Houston basically said, in a real war, you're not going to just, they're not just going to walk by, they're going to They're going to look. look. And yeah. then they can pay it. And do you know what, Tozin? I was thinking, God, that's, that's like Apocalypse Now, where he's going, don't look at the camera, don't look <laughs> at the camera. And then they actually... And they're all looking, and, yeah. Yeah, and they showed that clip. So they showed the Coppola clip. So obviously, yeah. as how Coppola, because there were other directors that were talking yeah. about how they'd influenced them. But that was in there. So, I mean, I mean, that was really, really interesting. Yeah. And you yeah. could... Uh, you, you know, it was just, it was just, there was so much in it. It was great. Yeah. So you had like, there's a three-part mini-series. So you had sort of before, that, what, what was happening before, and then during, and then during, yeah. know, sort of the last one. Yeah. Off. You'd love it. Yeah, I'm sure a, you would. Yeah, sure so, you would. it's something that would interest me, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Three, three Did you watch that Peter Jackson thing about the First World War? That yeah. Re- yeah. They recreated yeah. all these old films. And you see there's bits in there where the soldiers are walking by and they're going, hey, look, we're going to be at the pictures. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's, that but, sort of, but, but that's what would happen. That's what wouldn't it? happen yeah. with real Tommies or, in this case, with real GIs yeah. when they're walking by. Yeah. They would be looking at the camera, going, "Hey, we're going to be at the pictures. Hello, Mum, or whatever." Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but I mean, it was really, really interesting. And something else that was really, really interesting was, you know, with the film, it's a wonderful life. Yes. So, well, that was sort of after the war. It flopped. Yes, I know. It wasn't successful they, at all. Was they, it? The, the directors actually formed a little guild, but because the film was such a flop, and that was the first film. You know, like Liberty films. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah. a crack. So, I mean, it's, a, it's really worth a watch, I think, Toast. What, what was your thoughts? You know, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I think it's, I think for anybody who loves film, who, if, if you're listening to this, you probably fall into that category. It's, uh, for me, it's just kind of like an essential watch because you get to see, uh, I think especially, they have these four, five ca- um, directors, and I think George Stevens, who is probably the least known out of the four of them, yeah, yeah, he did lots of Fred Astaire things, and, and yeah. like okay. so he was like, yeah. you know, did all the all the lovely, lovely, nice the films. musicals and things. Mm. Yeah, he was before the war. He was known as like, you know, they gave they gave him the feel good romances. That's what he was known as the specialist in, and sort of like seeing his the the, the way it affected him. And I have to admit, That's because it. because especially because what sort of war did he have to film? So what? Pardon? Oh, what? he he did the concentration. Camps. Oh, that would that's going for life, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and even the, and, and the and I, but what I loved about this was that it wasn't just giving you the, it wasn't giving you the rah rah World War Two story. It was giving you the story. Oh, no, be- not at all. It was giving you the story behind the rah rah World War Two story. Yeah, it was. Mm. Just, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and the fact that you had like all these these um, different directors, like you know, yeah, you know, even from the 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 backgrounds, like William Wyler was actually originally from France. I think uh, Frank Capra, Frank Capra was he came from Italy. And I can't remember, but I remember one of them has like a Jewish background, and so like they, the way they structured it as in the run up to World War II, and once they see what Hitler's doing, and they're thinking, I need to do something. I need to be able to do something. I, I, what can I do? How can I serve? And the only thing that they think that they have to serve is their filmmaking ability. And I think it is the, the whole series is also, it's just like a testament to the power of cinema. That look, definitely, definitely, this is yeah. what we can do with cinema. How do we get? And, and uh, for me, the bit, one of the bits I absolutely love is about how Mrs. Miniver, the film Mrs. Miniver, that I've always heard yeah, the name about, and I've never seen it. And so that when William Wyler made that, how that film played a massive part in getting people behind the war efforts. Because yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, did. really so, did. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm just, I'm, and it's just totally fascinating seeing how these guys had spent all their lives fighting with the studios to try and get films made and then they go to work for the American government and the American government essentially becomes the new studio 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and the way that they're fighting with the with the government, the way that they're trying to get films done, how they're showing things, they're showing films to. It was was it Roosevelt or Eisenhower? Who was the president? It was Roosevelt, wasn't it? Roosevelt was the president. Eisenhower was the general. Yes, yes. So how they're showing the films to Roosevelt and how they like they have all these films that would get shown at the at White House and the way that they would manipulate the film so that the president would go. Everybody in the country needs to see this film, and then we, <laughs> and then the film would have like you know a world a, a release across the country, and that's why they and it's and it's weird because you had this weird tension between the artistic merits and them actually wanting to do some like I wanted to be released because I made this film and or I wanted to be released because it will help the war effort, and with some of them I think especially John Huston and John Ford, it's kind of left a little bit dubious as to whether they did this because it was serving or they did it because they were like like when they talk about the battle of midway yeah 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 that john ford yeah. made that it's kind of like sure enough they were trying to serve but at the same time they remained filmmakers who wanted people to see their stuff so yeah i think well, well it was it was houston that that directed that san pietro thing. yes you know, yeah, san pietro. yeah. He, it was him so yeah, i mean yeah, i bet well, he loved doing that because he he probably had like oh yeah you know i can use one of soldiers i can do this yeah but, yeah, because the, the whole idea behind that was that they got to San Pietro, but by the time they got there, they wanted to yeah, make a they, they, they wanted to make a film that showed the Allied forces being victorious and seeing all these Italians welcoming them to the town, saying yes, thank you for saving us. But by the time they got to the town, the battle was, the battle had been over for three days. So yeah, <laughs> so so they just recreated it, and everybody just watched it and thought, oh my god, that's so amazing. But it was it it was based on accounts, but it wasn't actually true. I thought it was I thought it was really really good. I would say anybody who loves film and wants to see about the power of film and how it can be used and how it can be, I guess, manipulated to help people get behind a, a cause, um, I would I would recommend it. I would give it a four out of five. Yeah, I would. I would definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd echo that. It's totally. Worth yeah, definitely. yeah. Definitely, definitely worth a watch. You know, definitely big, big time. It's, it's. You know, if you love cinema, this is this is something to watch. And it's only a three parter, so we're yeah. waiting for you to catch up and you can. Oh let us know. yeah. <laughs> it's only a three parter, so it's only each one of them is about an hour, so it's just pretty good. And that's all on Netflix. Yeah. So it's actually out. better. I might better fit that in at some point. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. We're blazing through this. Come on, <laughs> we can do this, people. Come on. We can get me to the cinema and get me so I don't get locked into Goodwood. Um, so, so um, Sharon, now the thing that you said you saw at the cinema, and I think this is really, really interesting because you went to see a Margaret Atwood event, and she is yes. a, she's the lady who wrote *Handmaid's Tale*, which is probably what most people would know her for now. Yes, that's right. She's written an awful lot of novels. When you look at the list of books she's written, she wrote loads, but she's primarily known for *Handmaid's Tale*. Mm-hmm. And this week, and this event, it was called um, that is a National Theatre Live event. So she was being interviewed in front of a live theatre audience and it's coincided with the release of not so much a sequel but the next book in the world of Gilead so it's like Hermed's Tale is about Gilead and this is called The Testaments and it's the second book about that world mm-hmm. and people are calling it a sequel but it's not a direct sequel Yeah. because the way she describes it is like Handmaid's Tale is the beginning of Gilead the Testaments is like middle Gilead, yep. and then there's like the end of Gilead, but that isn't that's sort of referred to, but not explicitly in the in the books. Oh, and so yeah, this was like a question and answer event, but they had dramatized readings of excerpts from excerpts, sorry, from the Testaments with the actress Anne Dowd, who plays Aunt Lydia in The Handmaid's Tale. Okay, and she was reading the Aunt Lydia extracts from the Testaments. There was. Her name is momentarily uh, Sally Hawkins. Oh yeah. Who 
we all know from The Shape of Water primarily, she played one of the, the voices of Gilead, a woman who'd grown up in Gilead. Um, her whole life had been spent in Gilead. And then Lily James is someone who was raised outside of Gilead, but Gilead affects her completely. So you had these three dramatised readings, but it was mainly a question and answer session about, yeah, about this new book, about her, the way she thinks about writing. And she says she always handwrites her books first until she gets about 100 pages. And then she starts shaping her thoughts into a badly typed manuscript and then she sends it to professional manuscript and each sort of different version of this manuscript it becomes more refined and it becomes more defined yeah so it's her working process so you get a glimpse into how she her what how her, what her working processes are so as someone who likes writers and likes reading it was it for me it was it was an event certainly worth going to and the fact that you're in a cinema it means you're completely focused you're not distracted was it, was by anything busy? going on yeah there were yeah. quite a few people yeah. there quite a few of us there I went with a friend so and she'd read Handmaid's Tale I'd read Handmaid's Tale and we both bought the book The Testaments on the, the day it was released so oh, right, okay. I haven't read my Good. copy yet but I've got a copy already there, well, there was a TV adaptation wasn't there The Handmaid's Tale film oh yes it's currently on it's still there's done three series and does it, it stick, that stick to the book or? the first one very much is right, close okay. to the book well not exactly but no. it's close to the book no. the second and third seasons change it quite dramatically they right. they they forge their own path right. in this world yeah. of Gilead and I think, I think don't with, know what with Gilead her is. Like Game of Thrones <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I think um, Margaret Atwood was a bit more involved with it though like she she helped them f- shape where it was going to go in the second season and third season yes because the second and third season you begin to see a resistance forming okay. oh. and how people who are basically um, dismissed as being of no value because one if they're women they have if you're not fertile and you don't and you don't contribute in some way then you have no value yeah and they and women are strictly sort of classified you are wives if you're young and fertile basically you're capable of bearing a child or any, and you've previously born a child but you're not married you are become you can become a handmaid if you're still young but you're not fertile you can become a Jezebel which is basically a prostitute uh. or or you can if you're of a different ethnic background so basically if you're not white American you become a Martha which is all the house the servants are Marthas you may have been a, a paediatrician you may have been a lawyer you may have been a high court judge it doesn't matter but when Gilead was formed it doesn't matter you became a Martha and so a lot of these Marthas and in later series you realize that these women <laughs> were you know intelligent educated women who can see exactly what Gilead has become and they form a resistance. So that is an interesting way it's taken it, how the people who've been reduced to the lowest in society are basically could become part of its downfall. Oh, okay, so um, in this, uh, I'm sorry I'm rushing us on. <laughs> no, 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 rush. I'm, I'm sorry rushing us on because uh, this is something that has become a bit more prevalent in cinemas over the last couple of years, where you have an event happening in a theater, but on one night in particular, it is broadcast to cinemas. And it, yes, and this was broadcast around the world. There yeah. was a global audience for this. Yeah, and it seems like it's it's two two formats that I think are struggling. So cinema, with the outprice of like the reason this podcast exists, with the outprice of things like Netflix and all that kind of stuff, cinemas are struggling to drag people in, and theaters, they are always talking about how they how they struggle to drag people in. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, because uh, they're very expensive, and it can be regarded as being quite an elite thing to do. It can be a bit because elite. it is expensive yeah. to buy a. a 
uh, theatre to hear. Yeah, I mean, even I'm involved in, in amateur dramatics, and I know that uh, I was speaking to somebody, the person whose house I'm staying at, Jason. Hi, Jason. And Jason was, uh, he, he's talking about how he's just directed a, a, a stage version of Dad's Army, and the theatre was packed. But the theater was, but once he said that, I was like, I bet you that nobody in that audience was over the age of 50. And he was like, yeah, nobody in the audience is over the age of 50. So there's people, so it's, it's the, it's, you see this is the problem with theater. Theater is having to try and diversify and do different things to get people to actually pay attention to it. And it's, so with this, I mean, I'm planning to go see Fleabag in theaters tonight. Or in the yes, again, tonight. it's another National Theatre Live event, isn't it? Or yeah, that exactly. similar thing. Yeah, similar thing where uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is going to be performing Fleabag on stage. I love the TV show. And I'm just really, really interested to see how does this work as a cinematic experience, as a cinema-going experience. So with... Oh, is it on... How come they... Is it on... A, it's on is, Newport as well. Is it on a Newport? Yeah. What time is it? Top of seven. Is it... Oh, well, well, Fleabag... Yeah. Might. Yes. Yeah, Fleabag. It's, it's on tonight at seven thirty. So uh, it's, it's oh, right. yeah, because they've been doing these apparently for ten years. They la- they launched the National Theatre Live thing ten years ago. Yeah. Now I remember going to see Frankenstein, both parts of Frankenstein, the one where Benedict Cumberbatch played the the creature, and the one where Johnny Lee Miller. They yeah. alternated roles, so yeah. I saw both show uh, both versions of that where they sort of they're both identical in terms of what they say the words and the, the characterization and the play and the actual stage sets but the two actors played each role so and so they did that a number of years ago i've been, I've been to quite a few of these things because okay. it just it's yeah oh. it's up my street yeah yeah so What's so right? obvious obviously i'm going to find out tonight when i go to flea but well, if i ever get out of here <laughs> i'm going to find out tonight but um what so how does it work as a cinematic experience like would you say do you walk do you go there because i know, i know that it isn't part of you have an unlimited card but you don't, it doesn't give you any discount. You have to pay full price to go in and see one of these National Theatre Live events, right? Yes, you still have to pay. Yeah, yeah you have yes, to pay a, a, so, so a fee to go in. Do you walk out of that thinking, yeah, you know, that was like, you know, 20 quid well spent? Yes, I think you do. Okay. Because it's quite funny, actually. When you go in, they're, it's, they're, they've already got the cameras rolling. Yeah. So when you walk in and sit down, you hear the bubble of the, the voices, that murmuring. You're watching the, the empty stage. You're trying to work out what the set is. And you, all you can hear is like that pre-cinema of people chatting with each other. Yeah. And because you, you're watching that bit as well, you get into that feeling of settling down. You have a quick conversation with the person next to you, but then you're waiting for the play to start. And it does follow the same process you normally have someone who speaks to camera and says hello welcome to national theater and this is going to be the production of so and so and then it will cut to the stage and then it carries on as if it was a, a play okay. so you just Actually, you feel like you are did, an, did, did, an audience was it henry member. the fifth one was that yeah one? I went, we, I saw, we saw we saw we saw macbeth together we saw didn't macbeth, we? that's right yeah so yeah because that was yeah. the one they did in the church with kenneth branagh wasn't Brannan, it that's right yeah. yeah so they've done a number of them through the years and i've been to yeah quite right. a few so so it could actually the only one i absolutely hate is i went to opera by mistake i thought it was a play and i walked in and it was like this is not a play this is opera <laughs> and it's avant-garde opera it's like what the hey and i must admit i i stayed for a little bit then i thought i cannot sit through this so i left <laughs> okay so so it sounds um, well, it sounds like this could be a winner for theatre and for cinemas. But as a, as a as an experience, as something that you went to, what would you rate the Margaret Atwood event out of five? I would give it a strong four. For me, it was fascinating. I was gripped the whole thing, and I thought I found her fascinating. So to me, it absolutely worked. All right. Um, so I would give it a four. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff. 
All right, cool. Oh, 15 minutes, let's move. Right, and now we go back to Amazon Prime, and this is Good Omens. Now, I'm not sure whether any of you have seen this or read the original book. I'm aware of it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, I'm aware of it, seen the trailers. Okay, so Good Omens is a book that was originally written by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. And this was, oh, I don't know, way back when. Uh, and it's essentially, it's a, it's a story about the end of the world. Armageddon, or Armageddon, however you pronounce it. And it's, um, and this is, obviously, it's, it's Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. So Neil Gaiman, you know you're going to get dark fantasy with Terry Pratchett. You know you're going to get satire coming up the wazoo. And this is a, it's, so it's all about, the, you, you, this goes all the way from the beginning of the world, when God creates the world, and you have the Garden of Eden, and you have these, they're an agent and demon that get put on Earth. Aziraphale is the angel, Crowley is the demon, played by Martin Sheen and David Tennant. And essentially, you, you follow them through the years as they live on Earth and as they do that. And then they start getting used to Earth and they start adapting Earth ways. And Crowley has a car that he really, really likes. And Aziraphale likes good, going out for good dinners. And he likes having, he has, he has a bookshop and he likes listening to music and likes opera. Sorry, Sharon. And, <laughs> and then they get the message from their respective head offices, heaven and hell, that, guys, the end of the world is coming. The end of, and they're like, but well, we don't want the world to end. We like the world. We like it here. <laughs> and so the whole thing becomes this whole, it becomes a satire about, I think, uh, mainly Christian views of the end of the world and mainly Christian views of like, you know, of good and evil and heaven and hell and they ask all these questions like, okay, why do we want to do that? Why does that going to happen? Why is your head of us going to, why do we have to fight? Why does there have to be a war? And you have, and it does this thing that Terry Pratchett does. If you've ever read a Terry Pratchett book, you know that he has, he will have like a tiny character in the book, but he will have it very well fleshed out. This character might only show up for a page. But the character will have a backstory and everything, and you would you end up leaving leaving and loving this character, and the character never show up. And in the TV show, they replicate that by having really really well known actors play tiny tiny roles. <laughs> <laughs> so like Nick Offerman shows up, Fran, uh, Francis McDormand is in there. You've got Josie Lawrence, you've got uh, Bill Patterson. You have all these people, and they show up in all these tiny roles that you're like, really. They, they did that. Brian Cox shows up and you don't even know it's him. <laughs> and it's and I I loved it. I thought it was funny. I thought the satire was hilarious. I thought the whole idea of taking this I the idea that the end of the world doesn't occur doesn't occur on top of some mountain in Israel, but it actually occurs in a tiny village in Oxfordshire called Hatfield. <laughs> it's just so Terry Pratchett. I love it. And I, after I finished watching it, I actually found the book. Because I had the book, I was like, oh, I know I had that book, I can't remember where I put it, and I found the book in a box, and I decided to just sort of start thumbing through it to see how faithful they, to the book they had been. And this thing is scarily faithful. Like, there's bits, there's bits of the book you're reading, and it's like reading directions for what they put up on the screen. And I know for years, Terry Pratchett said it could never be filmed, and when he, before he died, he told Neil Gaiman that, okay, you're the only person I trust to do this. So I know Neil Gaiman said, I'm going to try and really, really honor Terry in making this, in making this TV show. And I think they've done it. It is, it, it is pretty much the book on screen. And I, I know there's bits that they've missed out on everything. I think I like it. I think the, the casting is spot on. I think the humor is great. I think the satire is brilliant. And I would recommend it to anybody. I would give Good Omens a 4 out of 5. Oh, excellent. Cool. cool. Good. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so it's one I've looked at and I keep thinking... Yeah, no, maybe not tonight, but I will. What, I have to be in the right mood for that sort of thing. Yeah, right. so there's so much, isn't there? I have, I mean, to, be, have to be on yeah. the radar. Yeah, there's so, so, yes, there's so much will, out there. I'll, there is so much yeah. out there. 
it, it's it's like it's sometimes I mean each week because when we say all oh, things that we've watched, it's sometimes it's actually quite hard going. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna keep it down to these to these ones that we <laughs> we're gonna speak about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and, and I think it's actually quite good watching like a Terry Pratchett thing because you know the other week I spoke about Dead in a Week on Your Money Back. And it was, I said it was the most terrible, it starts off as the most Terry Pratchett thing on TV I've seen for a while. And it's good to actually see a Terry Pratchett thing on TV that I think has been done well. Because a lot of the other Discworld, the, a lot of the Discworld adaptations that Sky have done, I don't think have worked that well. But this, I think, is a, it's a perfect marriage of topic and, and media. I, I think it's really, really good. So I'll give that a four out of five. Oh, excellent. All right. And now we go back to cinema. And Sean, we're going to talk about a film that, I don't know how you keep doing this. You keep finding films I did not even hear about, never actually heard was released or anything like that. So this is The Mustang. And you said you said you went, I guess you saw this in Bournemouth, right? I did see this in Bournemouth. Yes, yes. I've seen a trailer for this and I really wanted to see this because I really rate the main actor in this. Next time you have to come over. Yeah, and I really like this sort of film. And he's done some amazing films, you know, this guy. Yeah, I'm guessing that... Under the radar, yeah. Yeah, I'm guessing that being being a university town, it gets a lot more sort of like the more out there stuff. it does. It gets. Yeah, loads but of this stuff. Matthias Schoenert, I think he's just done some amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fullhead, he did in his early career. Yeah. Astonishing film. Yeah. Oh, right. So yeah. No, no, I know. Yeah, yeah. Bournemouth's really good because you've got like they have like studio screens where they have a lot of these sort of films. Although this was on the big screen. Was so, it? And they've got lots of. Yeah. yeah. There's lots of and and but it's always busy. Always busy there. It's, I always. I mean, I, I never really book online. I always turn up, and I'm yeah. always like in the queue. Yeah. But, so there's always a queue so it's really busy so which is good which is good which is healthy yeah but okay yeah this film as I say that, I, that, the island's terrible it should have should you just come don't because get it was a quality films you just don't get no. so well we're not there's not always but no. some quality yeah, films yeah. we just they pass us yeah, by they do well anyway this story is about um, uh, a really uh, violent sort of criminal that's been in prison for 10 years uh, and he's you know he's really disaffected and he's really but they, they run this program. The state penitentiaries run this program where they they herd up the the wild horses, the mustangs, and then they break them and auction them off. And so the prisoners, and and it it works. You know, they use it in quite a lot of states because uh, working with animals is yeah. quite therapeutic in itself, That's though, isn't it? it? So basically, this is a story of um, Roman Coleman, and you know he's been in there for a while. And they say, okay, he's going to try and and a prison. It's basically in prison, so they give him a chance and. Old Bruce Stern turns up, doesn't he? Bruce Stern is class. He's like the wrangler. Like. Yeah. He's like the top banana. And, and this Roman, he loses it a bit with the horse because the horse is not paying him. And, he, and so you think, so he gets thrown in solitary. And you think that the uh, that that's it. That's, that's the end it. of it. That's it. But there's over. this, this big yeah. storm and all the, all the lightning goes, a oh, huge thunderstorm. They said, look, we need everybody to get these horses in. And they, they basically get them into the canteen. So they get him out. And, he, and so he decides to give him another chance. And he works with this horse, and it's it's also the horse. Obviously, these wild mustangs you've got there. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's just a story. Obviously, as well, running through it, the bit, there's a bit in the prison where there's a bit of conflict because one of one of one of the well, quite a few of the convicts are, are, are black, obviously. But obviously, in these prisons, you get the gangs, don't you? Yeah. So yeah. you get the gangs against the other gang. Um, and and this Roman really makes friends with with uh, another one who's on on the program, but. This chap who's on the program, he's like he, he's he's a member of a gang, and he actually you know gets so so you've got those sort of you know you've got the the violence all the time, and I got to say I'm going to agree with Sharon. This guy was absolutely brilliant because uh, basically you know he looks like he's 
he's ready. He's he's just ready. Yeah. He's like one of these these people that's ready. It was a bit like the um, what was what was the the inform was it the informer? Yeah, the informer we spoke about last week. Yeah, and Joel Kinnaman was yeah yeah yeah. So he gives a really really yeah because he could do he in a film called Rust and Bone, a French film. He was a bare knuckle fighter in that, and oh, he could do oh, brutal, Mathe- but he can also do tender as well. So he's, yeah, I think he can. He's so versatile. So, yeah, what, yeah. so, so it stars Matthias Kunitz. Yes. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. So, so, but anyway, yeah, and and I mean, this is a program that actually, actually, they go on because at the end of the credits, they actually show the 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 real, mm. you know, the people that broke the horses and stuff, and, yeah. and so you actually see see the actual, and and so we've got like. And, and they look really similar, you know, because yeah. there's like an in, there's like a Native American that's one of the horse breakers, and when you actually see the real photo of them at the end, you know, they, they so they've done a good <laughs> job there. Okay, but the whole film is it's a bit of a prison drama, um, and it, it's but really good. Sharon, Sharon would absolutely love it. I yeah, know she would. I knew oh, that. I, I was know, thinking about that. <laughs> this would be, be a Sharon oh, film. Oh, so, so, I mean, so Sean, are you saying that? Are you saying that the same way I have an inner Sean when I watch a film? You have an inner Sharon when you watch a film now. Well, no, I think we all know. I mean, it's like you with me. You think, oh, Sean would love this. Sean would love yeah, this. And I'm like you, 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 and you, Toes. Whereas I'm, oh yeah, Toes would like this, or Toes would. And then it's the same with me. And, and I think you, we've got to know over, yeah, over the, the time. We've got to know click, what, what will appeal, yeah. what will click, what will, you know. And you say because you might say, oh, Sharon might see a film and say, oh, Sean would like this. I'm not so keen on it, but yeah. it'd be right up Sean Street. Yeah. And you, you know, and then I say. But yeah, no, I thought, and also anybody who loves horses would love this movie as well. So you've got you've got a prison drama with horses. Because <laughs> the opening, yeah. The opening shot is is them rounding up the horses for like a. <laughs> so I could, I could just imagine you, I could just imagine that as a pitch meeting. So what film do you want to make? Okay, imagine this: it's a prison drama with horses. With horses, yeah, 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 yeah. You so, had me at horses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. So, 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 so sure, it sounds uh, like I, you. I know t- I know time's getting on, and I know yeah, we yeah. want to talk about the next thing, so I'm going Did to give you... this a four star. Yeah, yeah. Give this a high-scoring mountain. Give us a four star. I'm not sure what is happening to you, but whenever we have one of these weeks where we have to rush, where we have to be disciplined and everything like that, do you ever have things where you, we talk about a film and then after finishing talking about it, you're like, "Oh my god, I forgot to say oh, that." I could have said I that. Forgot. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, so I mean, it's just, like the yeah. other one. It's like, but we, 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 I mean, other times when we got a bit more time and maybe it's a bit lean, we can actually go back and talk a bit, you know, because yeah. Sharon sees that five came back. We yeah, can yeah, catch yeah. Up we can catch up and do up. a quick. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I'll probably, I might even watch the Handmaid's Tale because Sharon made it sound interesting. It, I actually thought. Yeah, it was, I, would, I didn't realize it was a piece of. Fiction. I thought it was some. Well, yeah. I think. I think. I think. I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting, but from what I hear, very depressing. No, no, nothing like it. So I might give that. But anyway, yeah. So four star for for the Mustang. Yeah. And now we're going to talk about this film. I think. Yes. Yes. And also, I just want to say one one thing I forgot to say about Good Omens. Miranda Richardson is excellent. She is brilliant. (laughs) Yeah. Right. All right. Okay. Moving on. Now we go back to we go back to and this is a film that I missed at the cinema because it was not around for that long when it was in cinemas. And I actually I finally managed to catch up with it this week. And I think because we a couple of weeks ago intriguing me. Yeah. Because of a couple of weeks ago we spoke about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think it's actually a good contrast with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And the film is Bad Times at the El Royale. Now, this is a film made by Drew Goddard. I know there's two Drews. There's Drew Pearson and Drew Goddard, and I keep getting them confused. It doesn't really help that one of them made Hotel Artemis, 
and one of them made Batams of the El Royale, two films set in a hotel over one night where a whole bunch of different characters show up in one place and then stuff happens. So, so Drew Goddard, it's very, very Tarantino-esque because it's like about this hotel that used to be big in the 60s. It's 1969. It's on the cusp of the 70s. They had the gambling license taken away, so nobody has come to this place. But the, the thing about the hotel is that half it's split down the middle and half the, half the hotel is in Nevada, half the hotel is in California. And then you have all these people played by John Hamm and Cynthia Erivo and Dakota Fanning and Jeff Bridges who show up at this hotel and check in one night, all with... It's all this whole thing where everybody is not who they who they seem to be, and they're all there for also different reasons. And then it goes. A, it's a little bit. It, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, we'll do. I will do. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> it's um, I think it's and the funny thing is, I think it's a little bit Tarantino esque in that you have all these characters who come in from all these different places, and then the story sort of like builds up, and then they interweave in between all this sort of stuff. And and I th- I think it's actually quite well done in that way. Uh, I, I I think I might have reviewed this film, and I think I loved it. I think this was when we did the radio stuff. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen this about, I've seen this two or three times, and whenever I'm on, the, because it's quite, quite often on the plane journey. So when yeah. I was travelling, I watched watched it again, and I watched it again, and I watched certain <laughs> little bits because it's a joy thing of being on an airplane. You can, you go can just the, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, sorry. So yeah. Yeah. So yep. anyway, yeah. Sorry, carry on, Tozen. I'm, I'm usurping you there. No, 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 no. But but the thing is that, and I really, really like this film because. Uh, it's it's getting more and more of uh, it's getting more and more of a what's the word like of a rarity to find a film that isn't a sequel, isn't a franchise, and it's just kind of like an original thing where you're coming in not really knowing what's going on and you're just letting the story unfold as you're going through. And I really really loved it. I thought Jeff Bridges was awesome in the film. I, I thought, thought Jeff Bridges was awesome, and I also I really really like. I mean, I don't know much about Cynthia Erivo, yeah, but she's got a great voice. She has got I an love, amazing she, voice. She, Shit, amazing voice, and I mean, I really like the bit where because they've all got backstories. It's a bit Tarantino to let yeah, you go through the backstories. Yeah, and there's a bit was where, where like she's obviously being recorded and they want stuff. But that song, what was it? Oh, I'm trying to think what the song was. This really song, like song. heart of mine, been broke a thousand, a thousand times. Each. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, and and when when she's singing in the obviously. I mean, obviously she's a singer, so what, yeah. what are you going to do? If you're going to turn up a hotel with a load of mattresses, you know? Yeah, she turns up with a whole load of mattresses and John Hamm's character, who is like a vacuum <laughs> salesman, immediately yeah. assumes oh, well, she turns up with mattresses, you know what's going to happen. But she's actually just sort of soundproofing the room so that she doesn't bother anybody else. And I think, yeah. and I think her character, Darlene Sweet, is just a really, really sweet character and like and I love the interplay within the different characters and the way the story keeps they tell you one story then they jump Fabulous. then yeah. they jump back they jump back and they yeah, show yeah. you they show you what happened in the hotel from another point of view then they jump back and show you what happened in the hotel from another point of view and how everybody's yeah. trying to get different things and it actually has some really really shocking bits there's a bit with Jeff Bridges preparing some drinks that did not end the way I thought it was going to end. I was like, "Whoa, no, whoa no. where the hell did that come from?" That's it. That was that was that was yeah. I know. So, I know a hustler when I see one. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and I quite liked it, and also even because it's set in 1969. So obviously, once upon a time in Hollywood, it has the whole Manson family, and this has something very similar to that. And I think it yeah, covers quite a bit of ground, and. It's it, it's. I think it would make a good double bill to watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and then uh, Bad Times of the El Royale if your bum can take it. So, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it'd be a long time. Yeah, it'd be a long, be, long, long time. You, you'll, you'll be, be there like, about you know, six hours. You'll be there yeah. about six hours. And it's... Uh, 
Yeah, but but, but I, like like you say, the interaction between them, and I mean, it, I think it's really good between between Jeff Bridges and that that Cynthia. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that that, that that's really good. And do you know what I liked about it is, I to me it had some sort of sense of yes, that would happen, and especially like the climax bit with with yeah. certain people getting yeah. bumped off, should we say, and certain people like that. To me, I thought. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, that's not too... You know, normally with me, I think, oh, come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it was, you know... Uh, well, so. Yes, yeah, so what it is, I, I agree with you. I, I think because this is a film that, it, to be honest with you, towards the end, I think it's, all, it's really nice and tight and the way it builds and everything like that, you're like, oh, where's this going? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Then towards the end, I think it gets a little bit Hollywood film climax. And yeah, 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 and, maybe. And there's a bit where, like, you know, one character who all the film has been like, <laughs> just kind of switches and becomes a totally different character for like, yeah, 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 for like a minute. And then I'm like, what? That th- what? <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> yeah. so, so it loses a star for me, and for that, that's why I would only give it a four. If not, I mean, apart from that, I loved this film I thought this film was great if, and it's on I saw it on Sky Cinema so if you want to go you can go catch up you can go catch up with A Bad Times at the El Royale on Sky Cinema it's a film that not many people saw at cinema but I really really feel that this deserves to be discovered at home on Netflix yeah, all definitely. that kind of stuff because it is it's a really good film and, it's, and I love the fact that it, the guy Dragota took a chance and did something original that wasn't based on a book it wasn't based on a, an other film it wasn't based on a comic or anything like that I just I just really 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 like it. Yeah, it was quite original, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, I think it has. It obviously has influences, and it has other bits in there that come in from um, left, right, and center. But I, um, it, it, but yeah, it is altogether. It, it becomes its own thing. It's like you know, there's film noir influences. There's kind of like you know, uh, things like you know, uh, Peeping Tom kind of film influences like that. Gene Hackman movie, The Conversation. There's there's a whole thing about uh, the FBI. There's a senator who they never mentioned in the film. Well, they never mentioned his name, but it's kind of like when you think about the time you, and what they say. You, you know, you know who it is. You know you? who it is. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know who they're you talking know about. Who it is. Uh, and yeah. so, so there's elements of all these different things in there that I. But altogether, when the film comes together, I really, really like it, and I'll, I'll give it a yeah. four. I think it's, I think it's a four. Yeah, definitely big four Good. for me too. Yeah. yeah. All right. All, all the way. We've got a. Uh, I think the scoreboard tonight is going to be quite close. It is a very, very it's a, close. It's been a good week. These short weeks, we always seem to week, have good. We always seem to have positive weeks, don't we? Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who yeah. thought there was me? There was me thinking that I was going to absolutely hate it, and I ended up thinking, well, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, all right. you know, it's okay. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> it was entertaining. And, and Sean, I think, I think, on principle, I think on principle, you just didn't want to give it chapter chapter two four stars because because you're like no. No, I will hold out on some of my original, <laughs> some of my original anger about the first film, which I think you should probably go possibly, watch again. Possibly, it may be a bit of a hangover. <laughs> yeah, it, it might be a bit of a hangover, and that is the only reason we don't have a tie this film this week. It's the only reason. Oh right, okay. Yeah, it's the only reason we don't have a tie this week because the winner this week is Netflix with a four, dead on four, because we watched. We watch four things on Netflix and other things at home. So one on Netflix, one on Prime, Amazon Prime, one on Sky Cinema. They were all a four. And uh, at cinema, we saw Margaret Atwood was a four, The Mustang was a four, and It Chapter Two. I gave it a four, you gave it a three, so it got a 3.5. Lost so it's a, So it's a, it's a really close, it's a really, really close week. I think, all in all, I think the real winner this week is us, because we saw yes. good stuff. Yeah, it's yes. good stuff out there. Yeah. All right, cool. With that, I think all that is left to say is a hasty 
hasty. I'm, by the way, guys, I've totally gotten changed now. I'm, I've finished. I'm, I'm so impressed with myself. I'm to get oh, can we can, can we open our eyes now? Yes, you can open your eyes. You can open your eyes. I've managed to get changed while doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, um, all, all there's left to say is a goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me. We will see you guys next week when I do not have a clue what's actually out in cinema. But we will find something. We will watch something and we will let you know what it's about. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.